Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Live. Now, okay. <laughs> Live from Ebor City, the place that put hip in prohibition, where it started, all started. It's time to rip off the mask and get to the task and talk about grass. And here we are in today's episode, which we call the rotation in the garden of good and evil. My name is Gary Stein, the director, together here with my co-host, Carlos Armida. Yo no soy uno diablo. Ermida. Who? What? Yo soy, yo, yo no soy el diablo? Well, you got to learn Spanish. You're an American, aren't you? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, okay, that's... Oh, okay. <laughs> and way, that place that protects us all from D.C., just above, is Chris Kano, coming to us from the state uh, of Maryland. Indeed. Hey, this guys. A, this has been an interesting... We actually found out that uh, Biden actually won, I guess, this week. Who, just by nature, Biden? yeah, just by nature, the fact that he was actually inaugurated. But um, it's something we, we need to discuss because uh, it decked the cannabis industry very much what they do on the national level. If it weren't for cannabis was fairly illegal, a lot of things would be totally different in regards to research, interstate commerce, and things of that sort. We have now we have a new administration with new cabinet members. And the new head of the uh, Democratic National Party, who helps figure out which candidates move forward, who is much more pro-cannabis than in previous times. And we need to take a look and see what happens, because I actually had a very nice conversation speaking yeah. of the House this last year, uh, okay. the new year. Oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. That's too much me. That's too much me. It's And one of the things he brought, brought up. up Constantly hearing is that to understand and, and dictate law, but it's not as illegal. But this is what we do deal with. Uh, it, it's interesting to note that uh, when the uh, Secretary of Health back in 1971 talked about cannabis being on Schedule One, he actually stated that it, the Attorney General could at any time change the uh, the scheduling of cannabis. But we haven't had any. Uh, Attorney General that's been willing to make that move and to make that suggestion. We've had, oh, what, 17 executive orders this last week, Chris, that was, were signed, and not one of them had anything to do with cannabis, which is, I guess, fine, because at this point in time, there are so many things they have to get worked on, but it just goes to show you where the priority lies. I mean, Obama could have done an executive order that could have made things different for eight years, and he didn't do it. And now we have we had an administration in between that talked about a couple of times how they were considering looking into it uh, <laughs> just to appease Cory Gardner, but uh, the fact is the uh, the Trump administration did nothing to move uh, for cannabis legalization, even though they 
they claimed a couple of times that they were considering it, but there actually was a committee in D.C. that actually was scrutinizing state laws. So we have to be careful about uh, how things move forward. And now we have a new administration where we have uh, a new drug czar. Now, tell me I'm, I'm not overreacting on this, Chris. Uh, Kevin Sabet said he likes the new drug czar. Should I be worried? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Any anytime the uh, director to okay. smart approaches to marijuana uh, has, you're not hearing me. Oh, well, let me make sure I'm coming in clear. I think it's on our side. Can you hear me? Okay. Am I coming in? Oh. Okay, Carlos, Fixing. you got all the. Oh, there we go. Can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, uh, Gary, to your point around should you be concerned uh, that the director to Smart Approaches to Marijuana uh, says that he has a friend, you know, as the drugs are? Yes, you should be. Uh, there has been no uh, move towards ending prohibition that Kevin Sabet has not been on the wrong side of history of, from opposing Amendment 2 here in Florida uh, very publicly uh, to working to stop, you know, the implementation of Amendment 2 um, to, you know, working to uh, pass local ordinances uh, that will essentially uh, deny the constitutional rights of Floridians after we've passed a constitutional amendment uh, with a right to medical cannabis. So, yes, um, you are not overreacting by being concerned anytime, um, you know, that there's a signal that there are allies uh, too smart uh, in the White House's uh, Office of National Drug Policy. Now, two cabinet members that are more pro-cannabis than, than those in the past. Who should we be looking for as far as the cabinet members who would be in favor of our cause, you think? Well, you know, all in all, um, the Biden administration made a lot of promises uh, on the campaign trail. Whether or not they get followed through with in the first 100 days uh, remain to be seen. The MORE Act itself was sponsored by Vice President Kamala Harris when she was in the Senate. Um, and since she is now the, tie, the tie-breaking vote in the United States Senate, there's going to be a lot to say about whether or not the MORE Act can actually move forward uh, with Senate hearings, with Senate votes. Now that the Democrats have taken control of the Senate, the chairmanships of all the different Senate committees will change. And... Um, Chuck Schumer has indicated to normal on a national level, uh, now that he's the majority leader in the Senate, that there will be a hearing in the Senate over the MORE Act. So to some of our comments uh, that are coming in the show today, yes, I know the political stuff is stressful. But the fact is, is that politics made cannabis illegal and it'll be a political solution uh, that, that ends prohibition. Yeah, that's basically it. It's not like we can go ahead and overthrow the government. That's already been tried. <laughs> yeah, it's been tried already this month. Didn't work out so well. Besides, I don't think that a strong uh, batch of cannabis advocates would have the uh, inclination to uh, try to overthrow anything. It's more like you know, sitting back and saying, we'll, we'll handle it later, man. We, we <laughs> talked about this on, on the previous shows that, you know, all they needed was to get a bomb. Can't we all just get a bomb? A bomb. It, it, it was, <laughs> It would help if they even understood the topic. A lot of them have been avoiding being educated. It's crazy to see the diversity. I mean, we we talk about these guys a lot, but it's crazy to see the diversity of these guys. Where like it's like shamans and stuff are are into that, and like I'm I don't know I don't know what's going on anymore, guys. You would think a, a shaman 
would smoke pot but maybe you know maybe he's not smoking enough or maybe he's not smoking i don't know it depends on the religion i suppose i guess yeah, yeah we, we, we had a lot of religion this this last uh, session we we it's like you know two theologians and a, and a learned jew come into a bar kind of thing <laughs> and Nate, who what was it it's an atheist, a Jew, a different kinds of Christians. Right, that's that's right. And, and, <laughs> and our guest, Nate, who was very gracious to come on, uh, gave us his, uh, his definitely unusual and convoluted, but definitely interesting. And it, and it comes from a standpoint of uh, studying certain scripts and, and, uh, and culture and kind of meshing it all together. We've had so many cultures that have embraced cannabis as part of religion. Uh, the Hindu religion had... It, used it as, as part of their, their festivities just in the creation of that drink called Bahang. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Chris? Uh, bong. Bahang. Is, bong? Yeah, Bong was kind of I, like a, a you, long A sound. Don't pronounce it. So why do they even have It's not even the correct uh, well, that kind of situation. It's well, a it, different it, dialect. I mean, in English, we have a silent K. I mean, you pronounce the word knife with an N. So, what, what, you know, I'm not going to knock anybody's uh, uh, spelling or or uh, or language. I would just say that a uh, human language sometimes is uh, it's funny like that. <laughs> K. That actually works out because talking about the KKK, it becomes a right. What? <laughs> what? What's happening? I've got everything happening in my headphones. Yeah. Silent, <laughs> silent K. It puts the KKK away. It's, oh, it's, oh, okay. I, I was waiting for you to say something, but I just realized that the whole, I, that the the whole, whole thing that, yeah. would be silent. We, we should get a, <laughs> we got to get a rim shot sound effect for every time Gary makes a joke so we can just let, let the public know. <laughs> I have a little dad joke warning button over here on the side. <laughs> I understand that they took the red button out of the uh, Oval Office. Trump actually had a red button on his desk, a little plaque with a, with a red button on it. Every time he pressed it, a, 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 a butler would come over with a Diet Coke. Oh, really? And, and, and Biden took the red button out as, as part of his uh, de decorating of the new White House. So, well, <laughs> Somebody would come with a Diet Coke. <laughs> if, if, I, if I was president, it'd be a green button. And every time he pressed it, someone would come bring me a blunt. So, <laughs> Or a genuine Café Bustolo Espresso, Café Con Leche. Cano for president. Which, by the way... They didn't pay us a thing for me to uh, drink this here in front of you. So, Gary, funny thing, you mentioned coffee. Uh, I've seen that uh, infused coffee products are a new thing hitting the market. We got a lot of different things, uh, products that hit the market. We have infused wines. Uh, now there's infused coffees. Um, you know, Carlos, you're a connoisseur of, uh, of, of Cafe Con Leche. How would you feel about a Cafe Con Leche that not only brings you up but knocks you down? <laughs> I'd, you know what? I'm all for that because one of the best things to do when you're when you're drinking your coffee is to smoke. So like seriously, like my routine every morning is I pour myself a cup of coffee and then I I, I hit some dabs. Now you so, can, you can use a water soluble tincture, and also or, or put it in the coffee because it will bind to the cream, and therefore it's it's easy to use your own coffee as well. Well, and like we've got like the CBD coffees here and whatnot, but I want, I want you know, something, something that like, cause like I'd imagine the caffeine would kick in first and then you get like a rush and then all of a sudden you're like all jittery and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, it's, if, it, if it's THC infused, you know, the CBD stuff just like make sure that you don't get the jitters. So for local despacio. 
Infused that four local. That, that's something else, man. <laughs> that's definitely oh, another level product. And then, of course, there's Brett and Jeremy's product from the uh, the good people at the Hemp Coffee Exchange. They make some of the best infused coffees they've had. And this week, I actually tried a new product of his, Lion's Mane Coffee. Have you ever, have you ever heard of the uh, the mushroom of Lion's Mane? I, I have heard of it, yes. It's this big-ass, chunky white mushroom, and supposedly uh, eating it has effects to bring back people's memory, which is good for me because sometimes I even forget to take my memory pills. It's just the way it is, but... The lion's mane coffee sounds like it's a good option and a holistic natural often because holistic natural options are part of the good part of the good and evil, right? <laughs> well, shout, out, shout out to our friends at the Hemp and Coffee Exchange. Uh, they, they got an amazing uh, cafe, uh, awesome products, so check them out. Um, you know, get and it back. to say that either, by the way. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, since we're plugging people, let's plug Tom Spy, the chill coffee in Riverview. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, they got the... Riverview and Velrico. They they do, like, the infused coffees with, like, CBD or Kava or Kratom or, yeah, you know, Kratom. all that, all that that cool stuff that i'd be interested in seeing how we can do a milkshake with kratom and not make it taste like uh you're you're, you're eating uh pills that oh, dude, around it. i like was judging this like battle of the beverages one one time and it was that. like uh yeah, yeah okay you were there yeah okay so like the, this one dude made a uh it was all supposed to be cbd drinks and we were, i was my job was to judge the cbd drinks from all these different bartenders and uh this one dude decided to like flip everything and instead of doing an alcohol cbd drink he did like a kratom kava cbd drink and you know i mean that's the thing is like it's hard to make something like that which tastes like dirt tastes good you know what i mean <laughs> have you guys ever had kratom before yeah it's, just, it's bitter as heck it reminds me of the people who drink campari yeah you know it's it, it's it, it's not that tasty <laughs> but I, it I helps have a lot of people but i mean the the whole opioid receptor thing i don't want to mess with that well, that's one of the reasons I haven't tried it. But uh, I mean, I I actually have some free samples uh, sitting in the box somewhere from some of these trade shows I've been to. But uh, y to your point, Carlos, uh, when I had to go to court or to drug rehab to you know to to get my record expunged to uh, jump through all those different hoops on, on probation and such, what I did uh, encounter in there is many of the people who had opioid addiction issues uh, said that kratom helped them significantly um, with cravings, uh, with the the addiction process, and I just think that 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 it's interesting to see this rush oftentimes by state governments to regulate anything that they might deem some type of drug um, but you see that it actually has benefits and help people um, this you know kratom itself is a little bit different than that craze we had in the early 2000s around salvia where you can get salvia you know pretty much at any smoke shop or or any uh any gas station and that in itself if you ever tried salvia will set you on a, a path that you were not expecting so and it ends with a headache there's this youtube channel <laughs> where like this guy does like random tasks on salvia and it's like he presents it like he's like he's gonna do gardening gardening and like he's like this is all the stuff i want to do in my garden and it's like okay now to try the salvia and then he smokes it and then he's like laying on the floor <laughs> he's like not gardening at all <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like uh <laughs> you know uh, yeah, but back in the 80s when uh, we had some uh, shortages because a lot of stuff was being sprayed with paraquat 
we started trying to find things like, you know, trying to smoke catnip and, and the you know, himbe bark and such did not turn out that well. You smoke like <laughs> oregano? Just because it's a holistic herb does not mean you can smoke it. Sometimes you should just drink it or you should put it into a, some kind of set or talk to a shaman. Talk to a medicine man or medicine woman who is willing to give you the uh, straight up as to how things are supposed to be done. But as far as cannabis is concerned, it's getting a little, a little straighter. We have concentrates, which is T, which sometimes you have THC and no terpenes, which is kind of like you know a high with no joy, as far as I'm concerned. You, it it's, doesn't give you any kind of direction. But it, but a, a true terpene experience, I think, is, is a much more rounded and much better eu, uh, euphoria, so to speak, especially when you're trying to deal with depression and other issues. Is that concern? And well, there's cannabis. There's, go ahead. I was going to say, Gary, there's definitely a lot of different concentrate products out there. I mean, you got uh, THC diamonds that a lot of people like. You know, it gives you a really like strong, uh, potent high. But to your point, certain products do have um, terpenes that, that get lost in their in their process and such. And those essential oils really do give your cannabis its distinct flavor. Uh, I remember, Carlos, you and I speaking to Steve D'Angelo a few years back, and he's you know he was talking about the future of the markets uh, all in the terpenes. And so I, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you remember back then, like, I felt like I was the only person that know, knew what a terpene was. <laughs> you taught me now, what it meant at that time. time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something we discussed in the 80s, that's for certain. I mean, like, what was, can you tell, okay, okay, Gary, tell me. Okay. Tell me. All right. So, like, what was it like smoking weed in the 80s? Because, <laughs> like, no, because my cannabis experience, like, first started with the 90s. And, like, I got into hip-hop music. And I was, like, fucking rolling up Dutchies and shit like that and Swishers and smoking <laughs> blunts and, you know, uh, listening to Tupac and, like, oh, yeah, this is fucking That's awesome. Sublime, right? Listen to Sublime. Yeah, well, Sublime came later in my life. I was, like, one of those, like, <laughs> I want to be ghetto kids. But <laughs> the, the number of strains we had were... Very, very limited. You had your Acapulco Gold. You had your, you had your, your Panama Red. And you had Thai Stick, which was always kind of interesting. Thai Stick. I mean, I this has came up in last in, in past shows, and I still don't really understand it. Like the only thing about Thai Stick is that it's tied to a stick. <laughs> Essentially, but it also had, it had a resin that covered it, so it made it kind of a bright yellow. Oh, as well. So like it, it was like a moon rock type thing, but it was tied to a stick. Didn't have any keef on it. Like, no like keef. Okay, so it's just like dipped. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's on the stick. So like you don't dip your fingers when you're. And then you had Mexican brickweed. This is the stuff that may have been washed up on the shore when they got it, or what? It basically was brown. It was called brickweed because it was all stuck together and pressed together, and you pulled it apart. And we had. By the time that. you finish getting all the seeds and stems out using your double L albums which is what the double albums for i do mm -hmm. believe and but we had we had credit cards but they, they were worthless uh, like most college students uh, but we did have our, our credit cards and our double albums to go ahead and, and strain out the uh the brickweed and i think the first ounce that i bought uh at michigan state university uh was 16 dollars whoa wow, wow. <laughs> i remember paying like under 100 for like some like basically like brick stuff like back in the day. Well, you're the NBA. What what is sixteen dollars in in twenty twenty dollars? A thousand dollars. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet well, you it's still not three hundred and three hundred ninety nine dollars or four hundred dollars an ounce. 
if I recall in the 80s, like 20 bucks would buy you a grocery cart full of groceries. And now 20 bucks doesn't even get you an eighth of weed anywhere. So <laughs> I saw this meme the other day that pretty much spoke to my soul because like, I mean, I, I like started late 90s or early 2000s smoking weed. And it was like back when I started, it was like, you know, I want to smoke before I watch a movie. So like we have to walk a mile behind the Dairy Queen into the forest and I hope the cops don't show up. And nowadays it's like, oh, I want to smoke. I guess I'll hit my vape pen while I'm walking through Target. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. The, vape, the vape pen is such a such a convenient nonchalant. Everybody vapes. No one really asks what's in your vape pen these days. Even people who break into Pelosi's office have a vape pen, from what I understand Really? Um, they, were, they were hitting vape pens in the Capitol? They, they, they were hitting vape pens in the Capitol. Now, I can tell you, last time I was in D.C. was, was uh, 420, about a year and a half ago, for the, uh, the, uh, the yearly uh, cannabis symposium. Uh, we actually went to a bar uh, right on Pennsylvania Avenue, and we smoked in the shadow of the Capitol down the street. And that, to me, was such a surreal experience. But then again, D.C. itself and their, their, their current cannabis laws are surreal just in part because of the fact that you can't actually buy cannabis, you can get it for free from somebody. And so <clears throat> Chris over in DC will, will buy a, uh, a $30 sticker that happens to come with an eighth. Is that, that's basically the way it works? That's essentially the way it works. You, you know, there are many different uh, services and products in the DC area. You know, you can uh, get a $150 smoothie and that smoothie will come with a, a complimentary uh, uh, half an ounce of bud. So there's, there's a just, you know, it depends. A, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in this gray market, I don't want to call it a black market. It's not necessarily an illicit market. It's just there's a gray area there in a lot of the way these laws are enforced. And, and it, I tell you the truth, it really has become essentially what I've seen uh, more like a brand accelerator, this gray market. There are people who, you know, just a few years back are, would have been black market street level dealers that are, are building their own brands, that are conducting business practices, that provide a level of customer service that, that people actually want to have when they go to their, you know, get their cannabis products. The, 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 there's labeling. And there, you know, as a matter of fact, I think I have something here I can show you. You know, regardless of how official digital something might be, I mean, the fact is that there's labeling on the products. It tells you how much THC is in it, what it's good for, what are the side effects. Um, you know, there's some it's, some it's like here. pretty much rampant in the black I mean, I, market. I see from the symbol that's, that's an official DC product, correct? Yeah, this is a DC product here. You know. So, I mean, uh, all in all, I think it's important there's to, a to QR understand. Code yeah, the QR code in the, in the triangle, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's to follow the brand, you know, so people can actually follow the brand when they're in DC. They can check oh. check out these guys. So, I, but, you know, don't don't ask me how, or you know, I I will never snitch completely, but not completely, <laughs> but but I'll mention something. <laughs> but you know, there's people here in Florida that they like are completely branding themselves, and like you know, the whole the whole uh, sesh thing that's going on, where like you know, there's whole like events that happen where like people set up tables and have banners and like pull up stuffs and logos and like yeah and then you look at their product and it's all illegal shit well i mean we do have people who have good products uh on the black market we have folks who have evil products like the folks who were creating those vape cartridges a couple of years ago buying these generic uh cartridges from from the far east putting in stuff and just not really caring because there's no, no customer follow-up to see if you're 
the customer gets sick or not. And they were putting uh, alpha tocopherinol, which is a vitamin E a thickener they usually use for cosmetics. They put it actually in the the, uh, the vape cartridge so that the uh, liquid be nice and thick because people were sitting there looking at the vape cartridges and tipping it back and forth. And if the bubble goes up and down real fast, they'll, they'll think, ah, oh, it's been deleted, diluted. Well, the best way to get around that is to thicken it. And that's what they did. And we had a whole bunch of people who were very, very sick. You know, I, I let my med card expire here in Florida. And uh, there was a good three-day period where, like, I was frustrated as hell because I just kind of, like, forgot how to deal with the black market. <laughs> like, it, it was just like, yeah, like, I just got so used to, like, oh, I've, you know, I need some weed. So I'll go and, like, maybe I'll, you know, to make things easier, I'll order ahead on my on my phone and then I'll just walk in and pay and get the fuck out. Uh, you know, and there's annoying shit that happens when you're you're buying like legal weed here in Florida, but you know, and, like your milligrams run out or whatever. But my card ran out at the, the end of last year, and there was like a three day period where I was like, I don't know what to do. Who do I call? <laughs> it's like everybody that I that I know that sells weed, I think hates me. <laughs> it's, it's like it was like breaking up after being in a long-term relationship. Yeah, I don't have anyone in my phone to call. Who do I reach out to? Where I have but no then, I'm but single. Then, uh, <laughs> but then after three days, it's like, holy shit, I forgot how easy it was. I, why didn't I call this guy, like, to begin with? <laughs> what happens if you, need, if you need or want a, a particular strain? If you think that, you know, you have migraines, you know that a Hong Kong uh, strain will take care of those migraines, and you go to your guy on the corner and you say, what strains do you have today? And he'll tell you, I've got two, what I have and what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, the black market's getting to the point where like, you know, you go to the guy's house and he's got like three different strains, four different strains. And granted, he has no, with the bamboo he, does, the he doesn't morning. have like a COA to prove and like he didn't do a high performance liquid chromatography test or anything like that. But he tends to, to have some idea and like maybe even has a logo and he's branded and like what we were talking about earlier. You know, I mean, the, 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 it's important. To, I think it's important to be a, a part of our medical marijuana system, but sometimes, man, the prices get too high and the black market's turning out to be like a good, I mean, you can't get rid of the black market. I don't think. Well, yeah, you can actually, by having more legal uh, cannabis stores that are, that are in a competitive market. So they actually decrease the price, increase the quality and give, and give you far more choices. And that is basically what they were doing in Canada. That is basically what Justin Trudeau said was the impetus for going with an adult use market in Canada was to get rid of the black market. If people can get the product they want legally, which is a product they can trust in and is at a decent price, they don't have to go to the black market. And they can actually enjoy the experience of just walking into a store kind of like Chillum. Mm-hmm. And being able to uh, buy the product that you want. That in itself is a, this is a very liberating experience. Having been dealing with uh, the fact that the uh, market was illegal for all these years, just the, the ability to be able to go, up, go into a retail cannabis establishment and say, yeah, I'll have this, 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 and this, is practically an exhilarating thing all in itself without even having to touch the actual product itself. Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 it's so liberating just to know that you, can, you have that option to be able to say yes, this, this, and this, and you know you can trust every single product. Well, hopefully, anyway. But that's one of the things that I worry about when folks talk about the fact that they want to have home grow. Um, people think it's so easy to grow a, a decent cannabis 
the stuff we have right now is based on years and years of changes in regards to the technology of growing cannabis. It's not just like growing peppers, right? Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> a that's an inside joke. <laughs> but the fact is, you uh, you can actually grow some very very good cannabis, medical grade, provided you have the the know how, and that is why I had made a a recommendation for a home grow bill where people can get access to what is called cultivation centers, which are totally enclosed, uh, like contain, like uh, containers that has all the hydroponics in it and lights and air conditioning, things of that sort. You can take a, a section of that and call it just yours, so to speak, so that you can grow a boutique strain if that's the strain that you want and being able to use it for yourself. And you can either pay the uh, people who own the cultivation center to take care of it for you as your caretaker, or, uh, or you can put in the sweat equity to go ahead and grow it yourself. The fact is you will have expert tutelage and you will have access to all the, the appropriate nutrients and the appropriate uh, things you can do instead of normal insecticides and fungicides and things of that sort. And that is one of the bills that we're bringing to the state of Florida because we want to have a good, pro a good program, one that is equitable, equitable to people. And we have a problem with equity here in the state. They talked about that they, they want to have at least one license that would go to a minority. And to, for those people who are familiar with, with terminology, that's not equity, that's tokenism. <laughs> Essentially, when you tell them, when you say, you know, we're going to have 22 licenses here in the state of Florida, and we're going to allow one of them to be minority owned, that is not equity. Mm. Unless, of course, uh, the uh, that then, figure minorities population is what, only 5% of the population, which it's not. Didn't that license go to, like, a black college? It has not gone anywhere, actually. It hasn't gone anywhere. No. Huh. It, it, so, so not only did they do tokenism, but they were just, like, put the law in place and then didn't even pay attention to it. Right now, they're still dealing with a lawsuit, which is going on now three years old, of a, an indigenous gentleman who believes that uh, the main minority status should also be equated to him even though he's talking about growing on sovereign land, which is a little bit different. Mm. So it's a bunch of different things that are involved in that particular lawsuit. But that was enough to go ahead and let the, uh, the not-so-good folks in Tallahassee to make the excuse that we're not going to give out this license yet until this particular lawsuit goes away. Like they never get sued. fact is our, our state legislature gets constantly sued. Because you can't always... Um, <laughs> make everybody happy, so to speak, in regards to the, the laws you have. Some laws will benefit one particular group versus others. And therefore, you're going to have some people who might will try to fight you on it. And we, we have had fights on almost every single aspect of the way this bill has been rolled out, the way and just the way that number of uh, licenses have been given out. We, need, we should be having a heck of a lot more than 22 licenses right now. If we had gone with every single benchmark where another 100,000 uh, patients would automatically equal four more licenses, we'd have a lot more licenses than we have right now. But the fact is, we haven't actually given out a license with a competitive process since 2015. It's been five years. And all of those guys actually didn't actually apply to, to sell a high CB, uh, THC product. They were actually there to get into a market that was low THC. Mm. And that only had a couple thousand patients. That it was almost impossible to actually break even. So they, they, they got in so they could have access to the medical market when it came effective. And that's where we are right now. Now, we have other people who are actually buying up the, uh, the licenses of folks who decided that to give up on trying. And so, therefore, they're being bought and sold right and left. 
the price keeps on going up. For those people who are familiar with the, the one plant brand, which used to be Three Boys Farms, it was just bought by um, <clears throat> Cresco for $213 million. Million dollars. Yeah, wow. a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and which is good actually because they actually bought the, the um, they bought the license for 120 million and sold it for 212. So, uh, hats off to the to the good folks uh, at Bloom, formerly Scythian, formerly Soul. Why doesn't shit like on. that make news? Like when the, the the that dude sold his license for like what was it like 55 million? That made the news, but that 200 that's a lot of fucking money. That's three times the amount. As long as this market continues to be closed, those prices will go up because it, it's valued. That is one of the reasons that people are so afraid of this flora-grown bill. Because especially when they put tons and tons of money into creating a vertical brand, having the idea that horizontals can come in and start breaking that apart, or, they can, or more people will suddenly be able to get into the market, and suddenly instead of having 22 licenses, we will actually have like 40 or 50 brands like other states already do here. Mm -hmm. Mm. That may what they will make the valuation of those particular licenses plummet. Mm. So, Gary, here's the question: There is a lot of rhetoric that we hear from the Florida uh, legislators, um, many times from the GOP around supporting free market economics, around being you know very pro capitalist. Why do we not see that type of rhetoric reflected in Florida's cannabis policy? Why do the Republicans that run the Florida legislature, for some reason, when it comes to anything else, they're all about freedom and rights. And when it comes to cannabis, it's no, you get what you get. Because they're still clinging to this idea that you have to have a robust regulatory system in place for the, the devil's lettuce. <laughs> you have a robust regulatory system in place for insider trading a robust regulatory system in place for fda approved medicines that that should be hitting the market but a robust regulatory system in place for something that grows like tomatoes that anybody could grow in their backyard that doesn't require uh, uh, all these pesticides and, and and every other thing that they might be spraying on the cannabis i mean I, i'm just at, at a loss of trying to make that i don't even think evil knievel could make that jump from being a pro-capitalist you know, a uh, uh, you know libertarian pro rights person to all of a sudden, you know, um, we need to regulate this because eighty dollar eighths are protecting the American people. Well, I mean, it's there's a trend with conservatives and and their freedoms. Like it's you're, you're allowed your freedom until it makes them uncomfortable, you know. And like you know, uh, private enterprise has the right to do whatever they want, but if Twitter wants to censor me, then you know, fuck them. It's my free speech. I'm glad you brought that point up, Carlos, because that is a key issue we're encountering right now in the legislative process. We have been advocating for the last two years for an employment protection bill, which would protect the rights of medical marijuana patients as workers. So people are not precluded from a job or fired from a job because they're medical marijuana patients. And because of political realities, we've actually had to scale back the bill this year to where it only covers public employees, because apparently uh, the, the legislators, especially in the leadership, the GOP leadership, have no inkling to attempt to mandate anything uh, to private industry. So, I mean, uh, the best we can do is protect state employees at this time, if we even get that bill heard and, and passed on to floor votes and signed by the governor. 
Well, people who are complaining about the fact that that particular thing was slipped in at the end in regards to the public employees, but we should first uh, uh, note that the number one employer in the state of Florida is the state of Florida. There is more employees employed by the state than any other enterprise in the state, including Disney. Well, then that's a good first start. Let, let's let's get it going. The fact is that we shouldn't even be encountering hurdles. The Florida Chamber of Commerce, uh, you know, the the associate industries of Florida, they need to get on board with this and in, in pushing politicians to support workers' rights, especially when it comes to medical marijuana patients. We see so many medical marijuana patients who are veterans, who are people who live with disabilities, and they live healthy, productive lives that otherwise would not necessarily be possible without access to their medicine. And for them to constantly continue to live in fear is not ending prohibition. It's just, you know, it's mental terrorism. It, it's, it's prohibition by another name. And, you know, like, I mean, I keep coming back to this in my mind. It's the fact that marijuana, medical marijuana is in our constitution. We have a right to medical marijuana in Florida. It's in our fucking constitution. What sets up this state is what says that we have this right yet. I mean, as, as an employer, I'm allowed to take away somebody's constitutional right to their medicine. Is that, I mean, that, that makes no sense to me. That makes no sense to me. Well, there, there, there's conflicting um, powers there. There's not only the fact that the Constitution gives you the, uh, the right to be able to use it, but employers have the right to have a drug-free workplace also in statute. And so, therefore, we, that, that, that is basically where we're coming from because the employer's uh, we this, this is what is called a right to work state, which I kind of wince every time I say that because it really doesn't mean that. <laughs> it's a right to not work, to be honest with you, because it it, it prevents uh, unions from being able to protect you. But on, on the same level, right? If somebody if somebody's like put on antibiotics, right? Like or you know what I mean? Like if somebody has an inflammation and they got to take antibiotics, like I don't like penicillin. You know, am I allowed to fire them because I don't like penicillin? It's a good point. Well, it depends you if know. penicillin was euphoric. That would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Okay. I, I, I get a cold every day of the week. That, that's it right there, right? If somebody's bipolar, am I allowed to fire them because they're taking bipolar medicine? Because it's, you know. Well, that is the basis of the way that, that uh, Chris and I wrote the bill. And the fact that employers are supposed to give reasonable accommodations to people with disabilities. Now, what is a disability? It's a, it's a, it's a, something that comes from a debilitating condition, either be it a developmental condition or a disease state that prevents you from being able to work, you know, at full capacity. And so therefore these, these reasonable accommodations allow people to work. And that is, that is part of the American with Disabilities Act along with other things. And so therefore we're, what we're saying is let people be judged on how well they do their job. Naturally, every employer has the right to fire somebody who is not able to, to perform the, uh, the duties of their particular position. That makes perfect sense. But don't fire somebody or prevent them from getting a job just because they have a medical cannabis card. I mean, yes, we can put some restraints in saying, no, you can't actually smoke on the job. Well, that makes sense. You can't smoke cigarettes on the job either. Uh, that said, I mean, I love that commercial on TV where the guy walks around with a hard hat talking about opioid uh, constipation. It's like, dude... You're on opioids. What the heck are you doing with a hard hat? <laughs> there's, there's a double standard. I remember years ago when we were doing the, the school that grew peppers, 
right? Um, <laughs> I, t- I was arguing with a friend of mine. He- non euphoric that- peppers. <laughs> non euphoric peppers. <laughs> but um, we, I-, I was arguing with a friend of mine that bartends out here in Ybor City. She was running a, a bar out here. And she was like, I'm totally against this. I don't want medical marijuana in the state. And I'm like, I I don't understand. You seem like you would be for something like this. And she's like, as an employer, as somebody who manages a, 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 a business, I'm not comfortable with somebody smoking weed while they're on my clock because it's their medicine. And I thought about it for a minute and I'm like, man, I've sat at your bar before and I've done shots with you while you're in the clock <laughs> and you're, you're scared. Somebody's going to be smoking weed at while. And like, you should hope somebody's smoking weed instead of doing some of your, your shots. <laughs> you know, it depends on the job. Of course. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're, now, I do have an issue in regards to having this uh, restriction in regards to heavy equipment because people who do use heavy equipment understand the necessity of having safety when using that heavy equipment. And so, therefore, they would be less likely to go ahead and, and imbibe when they actually have to use the equipment. But they would probably use it when they're off the job, off the clock, not on, on call, that kind of situation, so they can be medicated, so they can be healthy. We're not just talking about, you know, we want to have the right to, to get high in the middle of the day when you're at work, but we need to make certain that you have access to the medicine that allows you to walk into that door at the, in the first at the beginning of the day and realize that you're not deathly ill mm. or you have, a, or you have a terrible migraine or you're dealing with Crohn's disease or what, any other things that cannabis actually treats well that allows you to get back to work. And I can tell you, there's a gentleman who's in my book that I will eventually finish who uh, <laughs> was actually in hospice for Crohn's disease. And now he is actually back to work operating heavy machinery because of that. He started using cannabis that was able to help him beat the Crohn's disease, get out of hospice, double his weight back to about 165 because he was down to like 79 pounds. And and he thought he was he was gone. And his wife said, you know, I've always told you we don't I don't want weed in the house, things of that sort. But if this can help you, let's give it a try. It was a last ditch effort. And it worked out extremely well. So. There are many instances where people, the only reason they're back to work, why they're no longer on stage four cancer or have Crohn's disease and things of that sort, is because they found a medicine that actually worked. And if that medicine worked and they can take it again when they're not on the clock, then that should be okay. And that is basically what the, uh, the whole basis of our bill is. And if we have to create a case law by doing it with the, uh, the state employees first and then moving forward from there, so be it. Sometimes you have to choose a path that gets you to the goal as opposed to fighting from the very beginning that will keep you from getting to that goal. Yep. And that, that, that's, that's what politics is all about. And I've heard this from so many different legislators to say, it's not the goal I want, but it's the goal that will pass. It's not the bill that, that I want, but it's the bill that will pass. And that is just, again, to get it in the door so they can amend it in the future with, so they, they have the time to actually convince their their co-legislators cool exactly how good the bill would be if it's tweaked to back to the, where it was in the original uh, point. And that's what we're doing with regards to that bill, guys. So, And again, we had three, count them, three bills for adult use legalization that have come up in the last week. And the first thing that people said when they when I, I, po- when I posted in was... Talking about... He thinks they passed, but you know they're the legislators going to hear them. 
they're just filed that you know bills yeah. have to go to committee hearings uh they have to pass a certain number of committees before they can go to the floor then they got to go for floor votes they got to read the bill three times for a final vote then it finally gets to go to conference between the two chambers and then the final version goes on to the governor's desk which can then be vetoed and so uh there is definitely a lot of hurdles to any bill here in the state of florida around cannabis and it, it also depends on essentially who is championing your bill and that is a sad uh, part of our politics because good laws and good legislation uh, should not matter which party is sponsoring them but the fact is is that there is a gop dominated majority in the florida legislature and you know essentially if you have too liberal of a democrat sponsoring your legislation if they you know spend their time when they're not you know legislating throwing grenades or, or lobbying bombs at the gop leadership uh, they'll make sure that those bills never get uh, you know figurative not literal yeah <laughs> if you're throwing rhetoric yeah bombs you know not 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 if yeah. you're QAnon rally but you know <laughs> Not trying to blow them up, you know. But my my point is this: um, partisan politics and what team bill sponsors are on um, actually has an effect on how far legislation can go, and that is wrong. The fact is, is that good legislation should be recognized regardless of who the champion is, regardless of who the sponsor is, because the system itself is set up to where um, members of the House, especially newer members, even limited by how many bills they're allowed to even sponsor. What's it like six? Six bills. So if you have a, 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 a you know a bright budding, uh, uh, no pun intended, legislature, uh, and, and then you know you want them to champion something, well maybe you know they made some campaign promises along the way. They you know maybe four or five of their bills are already spoken for. So now you're even limited on on where you can get sponsorship, and you got to have a sponsor in both houses for any legislation to even have any hope of moving. And I thought that was interesting because I saw um, that Senator Janet Cruz, who's the a state senator from Tampa, uh, actually has a bill that she's sponsoring again that actually waives the uh, fee, uh, the state fee for the medical marijuana identification cards for disabled veterans. And, 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 and this is great. I don't, I, you know, you've put your, your life on the line for this country. Uh, the, the least this country can do and this state can do is waive your $75 medical marijuana card fee, you know? I've also heard people with disabilities uh, who are on fixed incomes say that, well, this should also apply to, to them as well. That, you know, if you're someone who's on disability, you're trying to survive on an $800 a month check, that's $75 medical marijuana fee, especially if you're someone who has a debilitating condition, uh, can, can you know, uh, impact people as well. Um, but this bill, my point is that uh, doesn't have a house sponsor yet. So a great bill like this could die entirely uh, without having a House sponsor as well. So a lot of these arbitrary legislative rules and a lot of the partisan politics is one of the reasons why we see good cannabis legislation so hard to pass in the state of Florida. And, and even though we are only a two-party system, there actually is more schools of thought than just two. I mean, we actually have a progressive wing in the Democratic uh, Party, and we have a libertarian wing of the Republican Party. Yeah. And in both cases, they're, they're the short arm of the, of the wings. And we happen to have one bill that was uh, sponsored by Senator Brandis, who's what, pretty much the head of the uh, libertarian wing of the Republican Party. There you go. The guy. And, uh, and it's sponsored on the House side by our, our good friend, uh, Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, who is yeah. actually part of the Progressive Caucus. Yeah. So that's, that's two short arms that are basically working for it. 
<laughs> short arms here, but yes, there we go. This is us trying to pass cannabis legislation in Florida. There you go. And <laughs> now the bill that came out of uh, Ocala from Representative Henson, which by the way is 150 pages. So if you want to read it, you know, kick back and, and, and read for a while. It's an interesting bill. One thing I'm concerned about is the fact that it automatically puts in a $50 excise tax per ounce of cannabis that is being grown and cultivated before it goes to market, which is kind of like the uh, thing in regards to putting tariffs on Chinese goods. Yeah, they have to pay more, but they pass the non-savings on to you. And that's exactly what's going to happen in regards to this. Now, other states, they actually do create an excise tax that's based on the amount of THC. That is that is in the product, and in some cases, what that's actually led to is some of these people, these uh, cultivators have actually shopped labs to make certain they can uh, get the THC uh, amount altered for the sake of having lower excise taxes involved. So, Gary, just so we're clear, the the laboratory testing system was create was created in a lot of legal states to have a well regulated, safe market product that people know what they're getting and in fact in some states the corruption has already reached the laboratory testing phase to where uh different labs are giving different results and people are shopping for lower lab results so they pay less in taxes yeah there's been a couple of labs that have been caught uh in california uh actually manufacturing the lab results to meet the meet the the client's needs Mm. and that's not the way it's supposed to go no not at all but we're talking about an industry that was uh, birthed out of the darkness, uh, out of, uh, I don't know if you consider it evil necessarily, but, but uh, I definitely opportunist. And uh, so therefore you have uh, a lot of things that are, are less than ethical moving forward. And hopefully a free market system would get uh, all, all the, uh, the evil out of the system. But again, so- it, it, it helps to have a watchdog. How do we get from, you know, you see this gray market here in the D.C. area uh, that, you know, entrepreneurs are building brands. You know, Carlos touched on the black market in Tampa with folks are building brands with illicit products. Um, you know, these products sometimes will have labels on them. They'll show that, you know, the strain has been tested and uh, for, you know, potency and such. Not necessarily for pesticides, let's be clear. Um, but the fact is, is that how did someone go from budding entrepreneur in a gray or black market to making that leap? to the legal market here in Florida, it's impossible unless you own uh, what, like a majority of the politicians and have a million dollars for a license. Yeah. I mean, you, you, uh, it's a very expensive process to get a license in the state of Florida. If they were actually passing them out the normal way. And as far as an application process is concerned, mm. but uh, in the very beginning, actually, if you remember Carl, uh, Chris and Carlos, they weren't, Considering <laughs> giving out the licenses not based on a uh, a competitive system, but on a lottery basis. Mm. Some states have actually done a lottery basis, but the problem is it doesn't let you know who is the best applicant. It's basically who's the luckiest applicant. Mm. Now we had a system but, here where people kind of abuse the application I mean, I, process. I wonder, I wonder what's going on in Florida though. Like there's like, there was this point system that I believe was completely like, you know, disregarded. And, and like when you, like people had gone back and looked at to see, to see who was the better qualifying candidate off of that point system brought out, it definitely wasn't the, the people that they picked. 
So, I mean, I'm wondering if like it would make it easier for a lottery just to instead of saying, oh, I'm picking these people based on their merit um, to just like say, oh, this is the name that I picked out of the hat. Basically, it's all corrupt. They're just going to pick who they want. Well, the application That's what's process happening here. that they had over here in Florida was supposed to be a point based system. And mm-hmm. what they did was they ordinated the, uh, the application saying, this is the first best, second best, third best. And by creating that kind of ordinated system, it basically makes this, the uh, recommendation subjective as to who actually win. And without having a point system involved, you can't say, well, this person was, you know, had an application that was 5% or 10% better than the, than the mean, that kind of situation, therefore they should get the license. That's why an administrative law judge basically threw out all the results of our application process and how oh. every single person who applied for license in 2015, whether they were total losers when it comes to how well they filled out their application or they were the best of the best of the best, all ended up getting a license. And it's those, those ones on the lower end who possibly weren't even ready to move from bromeliads to cannabis. Uh, they're, they're able to go ahead and sell their license to the, to the, big, to the highest bidder. And the prices, as we, we discussed, are, are still going up. So, Gary, out of 22 licenses, I believe it's, what, 16 uh, actually operate. The other ones don't even have plants in the ground, right? Exactly right. If you, if you go to the OMMU's uh, uh, weekly update, you can see a list of all the different dispensaries out there. And they actually have links, which is sad, to some of these dispensaries. Or if you click on that link, for one thing, you, you know, the source, which, by the way, is a fantastic dispensary out, out west. If you click on the link, you'll see Nevada's site pop up here in the state of Florida which makes no sense whatsoever. And other, other ones like Green Solution, things of that sort, they actually have more like placeholder Wix sites. Yeah, you know, Wix, that, 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 that yeah. one little group that, that, that drives you crazy. Yeah, us. you know. And uh, they, just, they, they just basically put normal. out um, placeholder websites where they're saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to sell this for $399 an ounce kind of thing. Mm. And, and uh, they're, they're, just, they're just faking it till they make it because they're mostly waiting for the, the uh, adult use market to come. And as much as I'd love to see it happen, these, this group called Met Neptune Wellness came down from Canada, had a big article in the uh, South Florida Business News saying, we're certain we're going to have uh, recreational cannabis in Florida within the next few months. Yeah, fat chance. Uh, mm. Number one, because of the fact if it, if it happens to the legislature, it couldn't possibly start until July, at least. And of course, once July starts, then they actually have to put together all the rules and regulations in place with the constitutional or statute-based authority before that actually happens. So even if we passed it to the legislature and it was actually signed by the, uh, the governor who has said, not on my watch, that's basically been DeSantis's move. Uh-huh. If by chance, you know, he, get knocked, he gets knocked on the head and somebody puts some sense into him and he goes ahead and signs that, that recreational bill, that means that it'll start in Janu- July when they can start making the rules and regulations. And we might get actual uh, adult use products, maybe anywhere between the, eight months to a year down the line. Well, Garrett, if it, or if it goes to the ballot box, we're not talking until 2022. As far as the governor getting knocked in the head, short of Casey DeSantis bitch slapping him into some sense, I, I don't see him budging on his current cannabis policy move. So even if we were to somehow magically get the Florida GOP uh, in the legislature on board, he would still have the power of the veto pen. And I, I don't see, considering all the other issues going on in the world, that they would mount a, a veto override uh, of the governor. So that's definitely a, a, another reason some of the people are commenting on this show why you know DeSantis needs to be knocked out uh, in the next gubernatorial election in, in 2022. 
Yeah, we, we need to consider was, how to be able to prioritize this as, as as having of any kind of importance to the legislature. They have to deal with a lot right now. They have to deal with a multi-billion dollar shortfall on the budget this year. And the one constitutional thing that they have to do every single year in the session is to do that budget. Mm -hmm. And now they have a lot less dollars to deal with, so they have to say no to a lot of people. Not to mention our schools, you know, there's this pressure Governor DeSantis has had to reopen the schools during the time of COVID. Many teachers, uh, many administrators, a lot of school boards have said they're not sure they can operate schools in a safe and efficient manner right now with the way the pandemic is. So the legislature really does have their plate full. And what I've seen, in, at least up here in the DMV area as well, a lot of state legislators are limiting their, their, their priorities. They're limiting, uh, you know, what's going to get hearings. So does cannabis have any hope this legislative session? And if so, what legislation do you see, you know, essentially we need to put, uh, you know, essentially bet it all on, you know, like it's almost like we're playing craps or roulette. And we, we you know, uh, do we put all our chips on employment protection? Do we put our chips on, uh, you know, these legalization bills? Do we put our chips on an expungement bill? Where, where, where do the, the, the people put their, their political clout this legislative session? I actually saw one particular aspect of people's thoughts in regards to the GOP is concerned is that right now they'd want to do almost anything to avoid an adult use market. And mm. if you talk about uh, things that would improve the medical market and therefore uh, give the uh, adult use market less credence, they're more interested in, in seeing that happen. Mm, like yeah. for, I was discussing tourist reciprocity. Tourist reciprocity would allow people who have medical cards from other states that uh, – are, are legitimate cards. And again, we may have an issue with that because they might be thinking, well, anybody in California can get a medical card, whether they're sick or not. But, other, but most states do have some kind of process where you have to go to a doctor and get a medical card. So if a person has a medical card from another state, with, with the purchase of a one-time $10 reciprocity fee, they can get a voucher that allows them to go to a, one of the MMTCs and buy enough product for their stay here in Florida so they can enjoy their vacation, make certain that grandma gets the medication that she needs, and make certain that they are not coming here on vacation and leaving on probation, which is what uh, oftentimes uh, people in Florida do, especially those folks who come down for spring break. Mm. But we're not, we're not going to get into, into those folks, right? We're talking well, about the folks who, who, who come here and they want to have their medicine as, as long you as they You know, I, I was excited at one point when DeSantis, I mean, like after DeSantis got elected, he did that that press conference with John Morgan and he was saying that he was going to make the point of the press conference was that they wanted to make smoking legal in Florida. Yeah. But he mentioned during the conference that the way that the system had been implemented was wrong, that smoking should be allowed. And then he like said something about and there's a cartel over. <laughs> what's happening here and you can see he stumbled a little bit when he said it but he let it slide but then nothing came about it like he knows that that there's there's money over the cannabis system here in florida and he knows that he can take advantage of it and i think as long as we've got these people in power um there's not going to be much going on like we could put these little bills in place and you know compromise through the legislative session because that's what we got you know like that's what we can do right now yeah you know and we can take these little baby steps but like real progress is not going to happen until we get the governor out until we get you know um real real senators real real people in the house that are worried about doing something right for, for the people of florida well, a lot of people say that, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows. But then again, I know a lot of folks who smoke in bed. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but the but the fact is that we we need to deal with the politics of of the the, uh, the situation. I know that DeSantis has a, a thing now about now that we've had a change in administration of rejecting federal help. Where before he he was more than interested in, in getting involved, where now he's saying like for instance, they're offering him the the uh, FEMA to come in and create huge. Uh, community tent, tented centers to give out all that vaccination, the vaccinations that need to go out. And he's saying, no, we're fine. We can just use the Publix and the CVS and the Walgreens, which is a, a process which is so slow and so burdensome that there's no way that we could possibly vaccinate enough people to get this damn bug out of the community for several years. So Gary, just to be clear, DeSantis doesn't want to allow the federal government to come set up FEMA camps for vaccine distribution, but he will allow his one of his largest donors that gave him $800,000 in Publix to be this, one of the few sole distribution centers on top of CVS and Walgreens, which also seem to donate money. So I just want to put that out there. That, that seems a little off to me. That's all. Well, there's a reason why Tallahassee is so far off the beaten path. At one point, they actually considered moving the state capital to Orlando, where it would be centrally located, and there'd be more access and more transparency. And then they realized, wait a minute, that means there'll be more access and more transparency. Let's keep it in Tallahassee. So so if if there happens to be corruption, there's less people who know about it. Oh, my God. That drive to (laughs) Tallahassee, I tell you. Oh, I mean, Gary, Gary does it all the time, but like, I mean, the, well, you, you, the few you, you, times I've gone up there, it's just, oh. You get a chance to stop off the Busy Bee on I-10, which was always good. <laughs> you know, you know all the trucker stops, don't you, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> on occasion, on occasion, yes. <laughs> well, look, you know, looking at moving forward, some of these other bills, uh, you know, the one that a lot of people have a buzz about is uh, Senator Brandis's bill over adult use because Senator Brandis is chairman of the Criminal Justice Committee in the Senate. And so, you know, you have a major Republican leader uh, from the Bay Area uh, stepping up and saying, look, we, uh, we have a bill that's going to allow for the adult use of cannabis. Uh, Gary, what are your thoughts on Senator Brandis's uh, medical marijuana, uh, you know, uh, availability of marijuana for adult use bill? It is, is almost identical to the bill that he had last year in the fact that uh, it creates a system where as we move forward, there'll be people who will be allowed to contract with the uh, MMTCs. So creating not so much a vertical um, system as much as a branched one, which mm-hmm. allows it to more, get, more, more people get access in, into the industry. And I think one of the best things about Randis's bill is that linked to it is this expungement bill. So we can finally get a lot of people's records cleared which has been a huge yeah, burden on, on so many people who were arrested for, for simple possession. Mm. And I mean, Carla, uh, Chris, you went through the system. You know what happens to folks who get simple possession and what are the sequelae as they go on through their lives and in, in, in this sort of speak stain on the record that anybody can have access to if they have enough research. It might prevent you from getting apartments, might prevent you from getting scholarships, might prevent you from getting jobs. Sure. You know, the Reagan administration, the Bush administration uh, all advocated for uh, policies to where, you know, you can't even get uh, student loans, Pell Grants, you know, and such with, you know, with the drug conviction on your record. So uh, there is definitely a societal glass ceiling put in place. And it, it has worked effectively to saddle people with criminal records uh, to prevent them from from moving up the socioeconomic ladder. Um, so there's definitely needs to be a criminal justice component. 
you know, the fact is, is that the 80s and 90s were the, the time where tough on crime was popular for both parties because the media and the rhetoric effectively dehumanized people. We don't treat criminals as human beings. We treat them as exactly that, something other criminals. And we see it in, in many of the policies in this country. It's this nebulous labeling of people. You know, uh, uh, one of the interesting things I saw this week is that the Biden administration was passing executive order to change the language from illegal alien to non-citizen. Yeah. You know, these people are not grays. They're not reptilians, regardless of what QAnon might tell you. You know, these are, are, are hardworking people that actually do pay taxes in this country. Uh, uh, undocumented uh, immigrants pay over a billion dollars in taxes every time they, they go to the store and, and, and go to Family Dollar. Uh, they, they pay sales taxes on things. You know, uh, many of these folks are, are working, you know, granted under the table. But the fact is, is that, you know, uh, farm workers, uh, people working in meat packing plants, it isn't necessarily the undocumented documented, uh, um, you know, a non-citizen that's the problem it's companies that are employing them per se that are cheating the system you know and then even again you, you always hear the rhetoric of these people are doing the jobs that americans don't want to do truth is if you've ever spent your day out in the fields for most americans one day in the field would break them uh, half a day would break them the fact that these fo folks uh carry you know tons of buckets i, I don't want to get on my soapbox around immigration reform and such but my point is this this country has done such a great job in dehumanizing groups of people that is politically convenient to dehumanize, that has created bad public policy, like cannabis prohibition. Like another key one is the disparity between cocaine sentencing and crack sentencing. The fact that if you have 500 you know, bags of cocaine, it's, it's, it's equal to having like five bags of crack. And that in itself, to anybody, Carlos is from Miami, that, that doesn't even make sense, does it? The math doesn't <laughs> I mean, we, 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 I, no the question is, you know, should we go with or, like or, or, or Oregon and just go ahead and legalize everything? Uh, that, I, I guess, is a, yes. a conundrum in and of itself. I mean, I saw an article yesterday where it said that, you know, a major drug dealer was arrested in, in you know, East Pasco. So I went to see, oh boy, is that going to stop the black market on that side of town? And then I find out what they caught him with was 400 grams of fentanyl. Wow. 400 grams of fentanyl. That's a lot. That is a humongous amount. And yeah, this is the kind of deal you definitely want to get off the streets because that that, that is a deadly drug. It is not recreational as much as it is just deadly. You know, plain and simple. To to be honest with you, I have a, a friend that died early 2020 because uh you know, she she had back problems and uh, she was getting uh, like Vicodins and stuff like that off of the black market because she couldn't afford insurance. Um, and uh, she she bought a pill that was uh, laced with fentanyl, I believe, and uh, ended up dying and overdosing. And I mean, it, it, it's sad, but I mean, it's it's I, I don't know how much getting those pills off of the off of the street would would work when you know we have people that are going to the black market because they they have bad health care or you know they we have people that you know are getting arrested for you know having a vicodin and then they end up in prison and then they end up doing harder drugs mm -hmm. you know i i don't I, I i think it's important to realize that this is a problem but i think it's also important to realize that we're handling the problem in the wrong way 
and you know there there should be programs in place like you know it should be treated as as a social disorder like uh i don't I, that probably isn't the right word <laughs> but a social disease right so it's funny it, you say that the dsmv4 uh lists cannabis use disorder it's what they diagnosed me with when i went to rehab i have cannabis okay. Order. And I was like, but I always use my cannabis in an orderly manner. I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I pack the bowl, I grind it, I light it, you know. So okay, no, no disorder in the court. No, no disorder. It's like I have a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> and the point is this: is that uh, to to the, to the original point you made around, you know, you guys were discussing should we go the route of Oregon, Spain. Portugal, the Netherlands. Uh, there are tons of countries that that are developed uh, democracies, uh, you know, republics that have you know decriminalized drug use, that have uh, safe injection sites for those that are using um, you know intravenous drugs, so that they're able to cut down on the spread of HIV and other other you know um, you know needle sharing type of uh, diseases that can happen. And so the fact is, is that. It does work here in here in the uh, the D.C. area. Not only is cannabis, uh, uh, you know, essentially decriminalized, but uh, most recently in the last election, uh, DMT, peyote, and mushrooms all out, uh, wound up uh, getting passed through a a citizen-led initiative. So, to the point that we're seeing in the comments. Uh, you know, Florida's constitutional amendment process does allow the people to essentially go above uh, the the Florida legislator's head. But even then, we've seen Florida legislators try to pass bills to limit people's right uh, to you know this constitutional process. We see a big bill going through right now in HB one, trying to limit people's right to protest. You know, and, and seeing that, uh, you know, essentially hitting people who organize Black Lives Matter protests with RICO charges. You know, so th there is a lot to be said right now as to um, the people in power wanting to keep that power. And anytime we've seen the people themselves exercise their power at a grassroots level, there is pushback. Uh, amendment 2 was a prime example in that the people passed a, a, a solid amendment. The Florida legislature screwed the pooch on implementation. And, and then here we are now still, you know, in, in 2021, trying to fix the short sightedness of that implementation with everything from, as you said, Gary, tourist reciprocity to worker protections to, you know, our Patient Protection Act, which, you know, to me is near and dear to my heart because it allow people to still get organ transplants uh, who, who need them just because you you know, decide to use medical cannabis as a treatment option for liver failure does not mean that you should be removed from the liver transplant list. And I think that in itself is something that is a, a key right and a constitutional right that is still lacking in the state is that that right to medical cannabis as a treatment. Someone posted earlier, oh, well, jobs can't fire you if you have a prescription. True. But medical cannabis is not a prescription. It is a doctor's recommendation. It continues to be a gray area, even in the 30-some states that have legalized it and the District of Columbia for medical purposes. And, and yeah, and, and by the way, even though you have, if you have a prescription, usually, usually if somebody cannot perform their, 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 their job as, a, as an appropriate task, then they can still be fired because you do still basically uh, serve at the pleasure of your employer. And in the state of Florida, but oftentimes those kind of things so are, are overlooked. Folks can, can go have have three three martini lunches and not have a problem with that 
come back to work slightly sloshed. Uh, I mean, I, I had a teacher once who we, we used to sit in his car during the uh, lunchtime period, never went to the lunchroom, and he'd, he'd come back to the, to the, uh, his room, and he'd, he'd watch the walls change color for a while before the next class started. So I don't think he was smoking tobacco at that point in time. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a good discussion, but I think uh, the show's running to close here. Absolutely. And so, now that we've all gotten parking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I just got out of a parking ticket, guys. That's why. I just, <laughs> you, you gave him a hemp pre-roll, right? <laughs> I was just like, yo, you smoke weed? He was like, yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm doing a podcast right now, bro. And it's like, okay, no worries. Get, go get back to that shit. And this has been our favorite podcast. <laughs> but we do want you to, to join us in our fight. In our to go ahead and move this legislation, we want you to go ahead and become a subscriber of for Suncoast Normal. We are a membership-driven organization, and for the mere amount of how much is it now for twenty-five dollars, you get. Did you get one of these? You do. You get you get one of those masks, genuine masks, to keep you safe from COVID and to express yourself at the same time with the Suncoast Normal mask, and you get this wonderful over here gold pin now people often ask me at the market when they look at it they say what is that i say well i'm canadian <laughs> uh but they they, they do have to figure out this is not a maple leaf uh and so therefore it, it is a great uh, attention getter and a uh discussion not, opener not only that but you also get a cool suncoast normal membership card and we just updated our website now on our website members come in the market when they look at it they say what is that i say what, what, is, what is going on i i, I guess i'm uh, you know this, myself in another dimension is talking a few seconds <laughs> so uh, when you when you go to uh our what when you sign up on our website right now you actually have access to our membership form um so there's a certain area of our website where members can communicate with each other we can communicate with members we can keep them up to date on what's going on they could talk to each other they could you know ask questions and work with each other and it's all private it's all on our on our back end of our website uh Kano set that up so thank you very very much sir i'm not certain if we're gonna have lobby days this year guys because i've been talking to the folks and how they're working the capitol building this year and right now you have to have an appointment to talk to uh, one of your legislators and they only let like two people in a room at a time and mm. you actually be, have to be called up from downstairs to go into the offices that's mm. how, how lockdown is right now we actually had a, a bomb threat this last uh, week uh, over in the capitol on on wednesday during the, the inauguration time although they actually actually had more snipers on the roof and they had protesters down below they had like 10 people two from jacksonville one from tampa and a couple other people but uh in the meantime, while they were being uh, distracted by those 10 guys, there was a bomb threat going on. They found the guy who did it. There was actually a guy on the far right and the far left, both of which had done bomb threats. We'll, we'll see. Reasons. Hopefully the legislator sets something up where like, we could do like public comment on Zoom or something like that. Absolutely. We will find a way to make certain that you guys are involved. Mm -hmm. Because you actually right now they're doing uh, te testimony. We have to go to the Tucker Center, which is about four blocks down over at, at FSU Center. Uh, campus to be able to give or oral testimony to various committees. You can't actually even be in the same building, really? which is really bizarre. Hmm. But we will find ways. And in, in fact, I'm pushing right now for people to be able to join in Zoom from their homes or someplace else. Because if you, you know, who would drive all the way up from Miami to Tallahassee to be uh, four blocks down to be able to testify? It, well, it doesn't make much sense. We were talking about these face masks just yes. now. 
and you know that that mask that you ripped off at the beginning of the show and so, um, so well done yeah. you know you do get these when you join normal uh suncoast normal but uh if you don't want to join normal and you still want to support us you ain't got the 25 dollars and you still want the mask you can buy the mask for 10 dollars on our website and i will send it to you and it's available at suncoastnormal.org and these are four ply cloth this is not your standard cloth mask that was just you know sewn by some grandmother over there in pensacola and not to mention uh, we do have a zoom meeting for our members coming yes. up on january 28th and you can uh register it on that link right there um and uh here here's the thing uh it's a member meeting but our member meetings have always been open to the public you know we consider people that just want to support us you don't necessarily need to uh give us money in order to support us so um we want everybody to be involved so uh you know join us for that and uh of course you can download this show on all these cool platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iTunes. Uh, if you got a Twitch, I don't know how to use Twitch, but uh, I believe we uh, went live on Twitch earlier today. Um, I have a Twitch, but there's medication for that. And <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta have a button. I think there's sound effects on here, but yeah, I gotta we'll figure that out. That <laughs> next to the cough button, the rim shot button. And of course, you can join us at suncoastnormal.org. And uh, anything else, guys? You guys? Just, you know, um, wrapping up, I saw a few comments come in the, the section. Um, you know, for those folks that are watching uh, in Florida, if you're moving from Florida to a medical state, you need to establish a Florida residency before you can get a medical marijuana card in the state of Florida. And if you want to work in the industry here in Florida, um, you know, as far as being a patient yourself, check with the MMTC that you're looking to start with. Uh, Drug-free workplace policies still apply in many places, even in the medical marijuana industry. So you're going to need to, you know, double check with the MMTC that you're trying to work for if they allow you to be a medical marijuana patient but uh all in all team what we really need from each and every one of you is to make your voice heard come to our next member meeting uh get involved you know become a member uh visit our website check us out on social media uh, and jump in the rotation each and every sunday uh here live uh, streaming across multiple platforms and as we are moving to tallahassee to move those bills if you are somebody who's been affected by a a lack of workplace protection if you have a medical card if someone tried to fire you or not give you a job because they have to have a medical card we want to hear from you we want to hear your stories it's so important that our legislators hear these stories if you have somebody who had their medicine taken away because they were in the hospital or were taken off the uh, a transplant list we want to hear your story if you are a tourist who came in here and got arrested we want to hear your story we want them to understand exactly what we're dealing with that we are dealing with reality, and the reality is the fact that this uh, this plant still needs to be tweaked as far as the law is concerned, and we want you to help out. Right. Bye, guys. All right. Peace out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change.
You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.